Welcome to MCS Pentecost, Pentecostal podcasts about theology and life in the Spirit. MCS Pentecosts are produced by Masters Pentecostal Seminary in Ontario, Canada. I'm Peter Newman, Academic Dean of Masters College. The subject of today's podcast is Prayer in Pentecostal Spirituality. The living expert on prayer that I know and know very well is my father, and I'm going to interview him so he can share with all of us something of what he has learned through a lifetime of practicing the discipline and the joy of prayer. Let me tell you a little bit about my father. Pastor Robert Johnson has been an ordained minister for 59 years with both the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada and the Assemblies of God U.S., Started his ministry by pioneering a church in Madoc, Ontario. There's still a work there today. Pastored for 23 years in Montreal, where he became a pastor to the city in the 1960s and 70s. Not just through the church, but through radio broadcasts done in an open-line talk show format. The show was called Ask the Pastor. That show led to opportunities to touch the lives of many people who would never have darkened the door of a Pentecostal church. After the Montreal years, then six years in Edmonton in the mid-80s, then on to the United States where he pastored First Assembly of God in Bakersfield, California for 13 years, and it is here that we are recording this interview today in Dad and Mom's home, the date is August the 30th, 2014. Well, this is a great pleasure for me. Welcome, Dad. Thank you, Van. Joy to be with you today. You, uh, you, you stepped into the final couple minutes of Pentecostal spirituality, which I taught at Coburg this summer. And the students so enjoyed you talking a little bit about the significance of prayer. Uh, we want to share that. Uh, with others today. The, the starting point for our conversation at the end of the course was that our textbook was Stephen Land's book, Pentecostal Spirituality. And Stephen Land makes the point that the center of all other aspects of Pentecostal spirituality, the center of all these aspects, is prayer. He even suggests that Pentecostal theology is preceded and is engaged in prayer. So uh, there's, there's no doubt that when you talk about Pentecostalism and other revivals, they have been bathed in prayer, and the Pentecostal revival is no exception. So I think, uh, I think there'd be wide agreement about the significance of prayer. Uh, so why don't, uh, why don't we start? Um, tell us a little bit, why, uh, why is prayer so important in the, in the Christian life? Well, I think, Van, that next to reading the Word of God and applying those principles in your daily life and living them out, there is nothing more important in the world for a Christian than to be able to pray and communicate with God because that simply is what prayer is. It's talking to God uh, in your own language, conversationally not necessarily with big words and fancy phrases, but just simply talking to him as I'm talking with you right now. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so at what point did you realize how significant prayer would be in your own life? Is this something that uh, you discovered as a young Christian? Did this only uh, occur to you when you began in ministry? When did you become convinced this was significant? Then I go back, I was saved in, when I was 14 years of age. And immediately I had this deep hunger to know God. Um, I had uh, come out of a life of darkness religiously. And uh, I had now received Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I just wanted to make up any lost time. I wanted to get to know him in every possible way. And so by bothering the local pastor every day on the way home from school, and I'm sure he would say, there there comes Bobby again, and he's probably got a question about prayer, it's certainly something about the Bible. And basically, I would stop by there and say, now look, I, I want to know God. Tell me the ways that you think I could uh, follow so I could get to know this God that I have discovered through Christ as my Savior. And I, I discovered as we talked and as I began to experience that I began to know God better through experience, the things that he led me into, um, what he allowed in my life and how I responded to it. So I felt that... Uh, Certainly, uh, knowing God by experience would be one way, but there was another way. And certainly, we've talked uh, off the top about uh, knowing him through the word. And indeed, we get to know God as we read the word, as we apply its principles to our lives. But it seemed to me, rightly or wrongly, that the greatest way that I would ever get to know God was if I could just spend time alone with him in his presence. I'd lock everything else out. Uh, I'd get uh, to a place where I could be alone, probably walk around a lot so I could remain alert and focused on why I was there. I was there to talk with God. And uh, I was always aware that after I got finished talking that... uh, He certainly uh, deserved at least the right for equal time. And so when I would talk to God and finish my part, uh, I wouldn't say, Amen, now I've got to go. But rather, now Lord, based on what I have shared with you, could you talk to me about the things that I need to do to get to know you better? And out of this relationship in prayer, uh, I just began to grow and and hunger for more and more and more of him. And my prayer life became the most important part of me. I, I love to pray. I, I pray in the mornings. I would pray late at nights. I would pray when others were fast asleep and I'd go down in the basement so I wouldn't be heard, hopefully. And uh, I just talked to God right out loud just as though he and I were walking together in the basement of our home. Now, you were upstairs sleeping at the time, Van, I think. Yeah, well, I remember the uh, the sound of prayer in our home, and I, I've always thought that that was a distinct advantage. Of course, uh, you, you probably weren't aware of the degree to which 
your voice was being heard throughout the house. The basement was the basement, but up through those furnace vents. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my childhood memories, um, particularly, particularly on Saturday nights, early Sunday mornings, se- Sunday afternoon, all proceeding, you know, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, is the sound of you praying and crying out to God. And that's a very distinct sound from my childhood. Now, I don't think too many have the advantage of that. And so I thank the Lord for the basement and the furnace fence. And so I, um, you know, you would never have to convince me that you thought prayer was deeply important. So with your pastor in Pembroke, you're already after him to, to tell you everything that you could know about God. How'd you, how'd you actually learn how to pray? Who uh, who are your teachers on this? Was it instruction, or did you listen and learn? How did it work? Well, I think uh, it was George Bombay, who was the pastor of the local church at that time, that we started attending after uh, we got saved. I say we because Mum was saved at that time. Right. Uh, Shirley was saved. Uh, Jim, her older brother, had already left to work for the family. Yeah because we were without a father who had died uh, when I was very young. And uh, so I got this little book through somebody, and it really doesn't even deserve the word book. It was really a booklet, and it was written by E.M. Bounds. Oh, okay. And it was called Power Through Prayer. And I thought, wow, here it is. This is how I'm going to find power to do the things that God wants me to do through prayer. So I began to read this little booklet. I began to practice the things that, uh, that it would say in this little book. And uh, I did forget when I was reading the book that some of these people lived in different time zones. Uh, and some of their testimonies that Bounds was quoting uh, were for people that lived uh, at a different time period than I was living in. And... Uh, so I, when they said they were praying at four in the morning, I thought, that's it. I've got to pray at four in the morning. Uh-huh. And, uh, but uh, really, uh, it was probably seven or eight my time, but right. I wanted to pray when they prayed. So right. I thought, well, I could join them in prayer at four. And then I'd read somebody else prayed at five, so I wanted to pray at five. And, and I'd pray with them at five, and they never knew. And, and uh, I only knew that I was part of that uh, partnership in prayer. And it, it, just the joy that, uh, that it brought, the security, the comfort, the strength, the, uh, uh, the enablement. Uh, I mean, I, I was just, uh, I could hardly wait to get to church. I mean, I, I could hardly wait to get to church because in those days we had what we called prayer rooms. And uh, these prayer rooms were mighty places of prayer van. And... Uh, my best knowledge of learning how to pray was not by reading books. And there are many good books out on prayer today that I'm sure would help the average person that really wanted to know how to pray. I don't have those books. But I, I do know this, that I learned to pray by being with people who knew how to pray. And that seemed to me just to be a very practical link. So there's a man by the name of uh, Mr. Coles, and he was a tinsmith, and he belonged to that church. And uh, when uh, 
the prayer room would open, I would find a place near to him because I wanted to listen. I wanted to know how he prayed because I didn't know how to pray. I knew how to talk to God, but I didn't know how to pray like he knew how to pray. So I would kind of say some of the same things that he would, and then I'd be on my own, and then I'd listen again and say, oh yeah, there's something else I, I need to include in my prayer. And then he would pray in, in languages that I didn't understand, and, and that was the beginning of a new experience into a Pentecostal experience that I didn't really know about in prayer, at, at least at that time. And I would wa watch this man as he would pray for three or four or five hours. And I would pray for three or four or five hours as his student. He didn't know that I was uh, really copying him to learn uh, sincerely. I just wanted to pray like him. I, I wanted to really, I felt that he knew God. And I thought, if he prays and this gets him through to God, I'm going to pray. It's going to get me through to God the same way. So these people I have always been blessed with everywhere I've been in my life, from the George Coleses of Pembroke, Ontario, uh, when I came through Edmonton, some great and wonderful people of prayer. And down here in Bakersfield, uh, there was an Eldon McDaniel and an Adora White. I mean, talk about prayer van. I mean... When you, when you called for them to pray, they were already in prayer as they moved toward the prayer room. And you'd see Adora, she would almost be like curled up in the corner and there would not be a sound. You'd wonder, is she sleeping? No, she was just enjoying the presence of God. And she had really learned how to, to break through into a new level, a higher level, and I thought, I've got to learn this now. I think I know a little bit about it. But to be able to get into this level that you could just sit there by the hour and not even say anything and just listen to God and listen to God and then speak and then listen to God again. And Eldon McDonald the same way. Every Sunday morning before I would go in and uh, preach, both the first and second services, he would be tapping at my door and he would simply say, uh, Pastor, it'll be time to go in a moment. I want to pray. Mm. I Come on in, Eldon. Right. And he'd lay his hands right. on me and right. he'd pray this prayer of blessing. So learning to pray to me is to finding somebody in your life who knows how to pray then and then praying with that person and learning from them and sharing with them and praying together. Right. So uh, this is very helpful. And uh, maybe, maybe you can take me back to uh, the early years pioneering in, in Madoc. All right. And... Tell me a little bit about the the significance of prayer in starting a church where there there was no church. Now you already knew how to pray when you got there before you got there. So um, how did prayer function for you uh, in those early years in trying to get a work established? I've heard about some of the prolonged prayer sessions, hoping somebody would come to the church. How did uh, how did prayer function for you early in ministry? Well we didn't have a building. So 
when I wanted to pray through the night, which I did very frequently and regularly, at least two nights a week, I would pray all night. I went to a church in Belleville to a friend, minister, Lori Price, yeah. and uh, I would say, now, Lord, just lock me in. Uh, I'm here to pray all night, and if anybody wants to join me, they're welcome to come in, but I'm not going out. So uh, when you come in in the morning, I'll be here, and when somebody opens the door, I'll be able to leave the church building and go back to Madoc, which is about 20 miles away, north of Belleville. And uh, there I really, I, I really prayed so deeply that uh, a doctor, uh, I was having a little bit of uh, chest pain one day, and, I, and somebody said, you know, we should check that out. And I said, well... I said, okay. So I went in and I talked with this doctor and he asked me about my life and my lifestyle and I told him about prayer. And he said, well, you know, you have prayed so hard that you have really hurt your heart. And he said, if you keep praying like this, uh, you're probably going to have a heart attack and not live to be a very old person. So... I, I took that under consideration. He was a medical doctor. He knew what he was talking about. But I also knew that I needed to pray. And I think at that point, I I didn't maybe pray as loud uh, vocally as I once did down in the basement of uh, our home and so on. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I, although I did that later on, and I... I'm not really sure now, Van, we're, you're checking and testing my memory, and I'm not sure that I can recall uh, just how I handled that situation. But obviously I've survived. I'm 84 today, and I still love to pray, and I, I still walk when I pray, and I still lift my voice when I pray. And in fact, uh, uh, if I go to church, I find a prayer room or I find somebody that knows how to pray. And uh, we have great, great times together. So God okay. saw me through that and maybe he, he strengthened my heart in such a way that I'd always be able to pray. Well, I'd never heard that story. That's oh, very interesting. I thought I had told you that then. Well, so the, the desperation of trying to start a church... Uh, obviously, um, only only increased your desire to pray and your your sense of dependence on God. But your prayer didn't mean that the church immediately grew. No. So that's interesting, isn't it? No. In fact, uh, for six months, nobody came. Right. But you were praying consistently. I was. What I would do would be to pray every day and to pray at least two nights every week, the whole night. And then I would knock on doors and visit and introduce myself to people and say, we're going to be holding a service in the Orange Hall. If you'd like to come, uh, it's at 10 o'clock and uh, I'll be there to greet you myself and uh, you will enjoy the service. Well, I wasn't very successful early in life, obviously, because nobody did come for six months. And, uh, but I still kept praying. I still kept praying. And finally, one person came. One, one person came. And his name was Joe Moon. I'll never forget him because uh, when he came in the door, I went down to greet him and he turned his head away. He didn't want to look at me. So I thought, oh, that's okay. At least he came. 
So I was going to show him to a seat. I didn't have an usher. So I was going to show him to a seat. And he said, I can find my own place. Thank you. And uh, so I said, okay. But I was not only the greeter and the, uh, uh, the usher, right. but I was also the song leader. So I just have to give me a few minutes to get up on the platform. And uh, I would try to sing, hoping that he would join in. And he wouldn't join in at all. So I'm singing a solo, and, uh, and I thought, well, it's okay. Now it came to the offering, and this was a little bit uh, harder because I thought, well, now I'm going to have to go down and, uh, and take the offering because I've got to be an usher here for a bit. And uh, when, I, when I did, and I passed the, the plate in front of him, he turned his head and looked out the window, wouldn't look at me. So I said, thank you very much for your offering, which was nothing. And I walked back up and uh, I started to preach. And uh, he stayed uh, for the entire service. <laughs> and then I gave the altar call. Well, he'd have to feel like he was the one because there's no one else there. And uh, he stayed and he stayed and he looked out the window and finally he left the building. And uh, so then I went down to the front and had my own little prayer meeting. Uh, so I'd have an altar call. I was there to answer right. it myself when right. he didn't. And that's the way I started out, Van. And it, but, but prayer was such a, an essential thing because as we prayed, then we went to the street corners. And when we went that, right. we were right across from a hotel uh, where a lot of people went Saturday night to drink and they'd come out there uh, quite drunk. And uh, I'm over on the other side speaking about the gospel and about Calvary and about getting saved. And, and some of them would stop long enough and I'd sing a hymn. And uh, by this time, my wife had joined me and we would sing, Who at Your Door is Standing and Just As I Am. And finally, somebody over there put their hand up. So I thought, well, this is interesting. So will he cross the road? Because we were across the road from the hotel under a street lamp where there was some power outlet. And, uh, and finally, this person did come over and uh, they said, look, uh, what we saw tonight convinced us that there's something in what you're saying. So why don't you come out to our home every week and uh, we will have, uh, we'll invite people in and we'll have it in our home. So we would go out to Queensboro and it was about 10 miles away out of Bakersfield where they lived. And he and his wife opened their home. They had truly been saved on the street corner. And people came in and got saved there. And the church started to grow there. And then, of course, we convinced them to come in to the Orange Hall. So we'd have somebody to go to church in the Orange Hall on Sunday morning. Because right. right now, I only had a Saturday night and a Wednesday night congregation. Right. And I couldn't get anybody in the building but John. Right. But Johnny right. kept coming. He did. And then these other people <laughs> joined us. These other people joined us. Right. And uh, we got to be 20 and 25 and okay. 30 people. And, uh, and God did a wonderful thing. But it would never have happened without prayer. Without prayer, I would have given up. I, well, why didn't you give up? Six months, no one came? I couldn't. I, I couldn't because it was a call. And it was what God wanted me to do. And uh, I knew what God wanted me to do. He'd enable me to do. And uh, nobody came yet, but I knew they would come. I knew they would because he said they would, right? The word said they would. 
And I prayed they would, so they would. And they did. And so people got saved. Now there's a nice little church there in that yeah, community. Yeah, yeah there is. Sure but, is. But without prayer... It wouldn't have happened. It would not have happened. I'm absolutely convinced. Okay, now at this point, I'm going to ask a question that uh, a lot of people are probably wondering as they're listening to this. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of MCS Pentecasts, podcast produced by Masters Pentecostal Seminary. MCS Pentecasts are available online at mcspentecasts.podbean.com and also through any podcast provider including Spotify and iTunes. MCS offers biblical, theological, and practical courses from a Pentecostal perspective at both undergrad and graduate levels. For more information on graduate courses at Master's Pentecostal Seminary in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, visit mpseminary.com. For information on undergraduate courses at Master's College in Peterborough, Canada, please visit mcs.edu.